Go for it. Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. This, of course, your Colorado Sports Week in Review. Colorado Avalanche finished the season 41-35. and Their last two games they split, lost one, won one, but they did not make the playoffs. They finished in 10th place out west. Disappointing season for the young team. They'll be back next year, as Cub fans would say, there's always next year. Your Denver Nuggets sitting in eighth place out west, currently taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves, where I believe they might be winning that game. Nuggets are 31-26. and 26. I don't know if I already said that or not. Hanging on to eighth place. Last week, four games. Won two, lost two of those. Games this week, Wednesday, April 11th. Right now, they're playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. You said that before, I know. Yeah, I did. Threw me off a little bit because it's Wednesday. Usually do these on Tuesday, right? <laughs> Friday, April 13th, the Nuggets go to Los Angeles to play the hated Lakers. Sunday, April 15th, huge, huge back-to-backs. We got versus the Houston Rockets right here in Denver. Monday, April 16th, we play at Houston. Nuggets battling out for a playoff spot with them. We'll see how that goes. Four games next week. Your Denver Broncos signed defensive tackle Justin Babin. He is back with the squad right now. That is your Colorado Sports Week in Review. Ross Martin, let's go ahead and start that show. Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, episode number 36. Podcast. I'm Ross Martin, and as always, from denverstiffs.com, Nate Timmons is here. Everybody out there on the interwebs, I hope you're doing great on this uh, briefly rainy Wednesday evening. Ross Martin, hope you're doing great as well. And uh, I am. I am yeah. doing great. And uh, today, we have and, a lot to talk about. Uh, we have some topics here. We have opening day discussion. We have uh, CSU news. We have football thugs and a new basketball coach. <laughs> we have the Denver Nuggets, which we'll uh, get into. And uh, no top five this week. We had a good one lined up, but our guests had to cancel on us last minute. So we'll have uh, Benjamin Hockman from the Denver Post and Nate Kreckman from 102.3 ESPN on in May, as I believe our makeup date will be. Yes, sir. So, before we get into our big topics, let's just uh, remind everybody that uh, you should uh, like us on Facebook. Email us, show at coloradosportsguys.com. Follow us on Twitter at C-O-L-O Sports Guys. Call us and leave a message at 720-722-1274. Before you ask me what that number is again, Nate, I'll just say it. It's 720-722-1274. We got a few texts and uh, voicemails this week. We'll uh, read a text later when we talk about the Nuggets. And, uh, of course, uh, you're all hearing us probably uh, on some of the stuff, but I want to remind everybody that we are available on Stitcher and iTunes, and uh, you can find links to all this stuff at www.coloradosportsguys.com. .com. 
Stitcher.com. Now, uh, something happened. Uh, we signed up and we got on Stitcher, and it turns out that uh, uh, they uh, kind of uh, hooked us up with this, some sort of an affiliate program. I, I, I'm not exactly sure how it works, but uh, if you're not using Stitcher and you'd like to, then uh, go ahead and go to uh, Stitcher.com slash C-O-L-O Sports Guys, just like our Twitter handle. Stitcher.com slash C-O-L-O Sports Guys. And uh, then uh, you can uh, go ahead and, uh, I guess, subscribe to us right on there. I've listened to it a couple times. I've had some bad things to say about them in the past, but it turns out that it's all pretty good. And uh, if you do that, then uh, when you register, go ahead and enter in our promo code at C-O-L-O Sports Guys. And uh, I guess uh, you know what that means, Nate? No, I have no idea what that means. If if people do that and they haven't used Stitcher before and they uh, sign up for Stitcher using our promo code, which is, again, C-O-L-O, Sports Guys, they get entered in to win 100 bucks. Dude, I love, I love a fresh Benji. Cash, yeah. So there's that. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Yes. <laughs> So uh, let's get in. Uh, let's get into some sports talk here. But let's first. Uh, we're going to talk about opening day. So let's do that right after this little. And I do. It's good. That's kind of what opening day is all about, right? Oh, it is. I'm trying to figure out, is it is it baseball? Is it just being out with your boys on a rooftop, drinking a nice pitcher of beer? What is it all about, Ross? What do you say? Opening day for, uh, at least in my experience here in Denver, it's always about just a party. It's, it's almost like going to a concert. Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I ever went to a big concert. I was in high school. I was going to Jimmy Buffett. Oh. And I was there, and there were some older people. I must have been 16 years old, and there were some people there. And I, I told them they were older, and they were like, I was like, oh, man, I'm so excited to see Jimmy Buffett. And she's like, you're not going to see her, Buffett. You're not going to see Jimmy. You're not going to see her. It's just, it's just a great party. Was this chick hammered? Yes. <laughs> yes, she was. <laughs> Um, Blueberry vodka and uh, Sprite, perhaps? Maybe Zima. Who knows? Oh, Zima. Yeah, good call. Back (laughs) in the day. Maybe Zima. But yeah, that that is kind of like opening day. And uh, it just is. And especially this year. Yikes. Not a fun game to watch. Beautiful day, though. It was gorgeous out. And it's been that way the past two years. Opening day has been beautiful in Denver, Colorado. I spent my opening day, I was uh, working downtown. And we went to a – we had a new employee hired this week, so we went to lunch at uh, Lucky Pie Pizza. Lucky Pie Pizza? Yes. They took over where Dixon's used to be downtown. They have a nice big patio outside. They had um, – we sat outside to enjoy the wonderful Colorado sunshine. Uh, Avery Brewing was there. They had a tent set up. They had a new beer on tap exclusively for Lucky Pie Pizza. And the first 36 people got a free Pilsner glass. Wow. You know I love the microbrews or craft brews. Yes. I do love them. And let me me tell you, there was me, four coworkers, sitting in our business casual outfits around the table. 
And every single other table there, people were rocking. Uh, if it was guys, they were wearing you know cargo shorts, regular shorts, and Rockies t-shirts, what have you. If it was girls, they were wearing either you know shorts and a Rocky shirt, or they were wearing their you know sundresses, whatnot. But nobody else there was working except for us. Oh it, man! It made me want to. You ever watch like the NBA when a dude gets off the bench and he runs to the scorers table and he tears away? His uh, warm-ups, yeah, it, of it made me want to get up, tear away my slacks, tear away my button-up shirt, and just be rocking a pair of cargo shorts and a Rockies t-shirt, walk right up to that Avery Brewing, grab a nice cold one, and enjoy the wonderful day with my Rockies brethren. So you were having lunch, and you couldn't partake in the, in the, the brews. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and our waitress even told us that they had a, what's called a business beer there, which is a, a half half beer interesting that almost seems like you know i mean that's kind of embarrassing to order that can i get a business beer and you just get a half it's like man i don't know but it was it was like you could just see it was electric downtown like there was everybody i I walked around we walked back down 16th street mall everybody you passed is everyone's in rocky's gear it's just like it was the year before when i actually wasn't working and was enjoying being on the rooftop at downtown tavern Drinking beers and hanging out with my boys. Yeah, opening day is no joke. I mean, this is, that is a day where the city, in the middle of a workday, turns into a frat party. It needs to be a national holiday. Well, it is. I mean, it is. It's like a, what would you call it, like an unwritten rule of one right now? Well, here's the deal. It's like I a mean, baseball unwritten rule. It's unfair. It should be a national Barack Obama <laughs> signed off on national holiday. Yeah, but... Uh, Here's, here's. You tell me John McCain isn't going to sign off on this. <laughs> I, I mean, it is basically that. I mean, what what happens is everybody takes the day off. Is what happens, and you just do, and you just take that day off, and uh, you go down there and you enjoy the game. Now, I think it's might be different here. I, I don't know. I, I've never been to an opening day in any other city, but Denver. Why would you? Exactly. Why would I? But Denver <laughs> is uh, just uh, it's a it's a party town. It really is. It's a uh, beer drinking. Have a good time, town. Every excuse to get out, especially downtown in the summer and the sun. People are out there all the time. That's why people like it here. And it's really like the opening of the rooftop bars. What I the, the patio and the rooftop bar. This is really like the first event where that's like the place to be. Is yes. either you know, like I asked you, Ross, where did where did you spend opening day? Were you on a patio or rooftop, and what venue were you at? I went to uh, I went to Jackson's, which is right on Twentieth and Blake. Yeah, across the street, and I was walking. You down. could spit on Coors Field. You could. I would never would, but you could. Yes. I mean, I'll spit when I'm in Coors Field, but I would never spit on Coors Field. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would be sacrilegious. I mean, it's just kind of a dick move. Yes. You know, it's, or that it's Coors Field. It's a, lot, it's a it's a wonderful ballpark. But anyway, I was walking down down the street. <laughs> And uh, I was, I think I was walking down Wazi, and I was going to meet some friends. Great street, Wazi. Fantastic. (laughs) I was walking down there, (laughs) and I see a guy come out of the back of Jackson's, and uh, he's got a kind of a shorter man next to him in a black suit, which I thought was weird. Oh, okay. And then I see another young guy, maybe 17 or so, walk up to the other guy. There's a guy in a track suit. You think this guy's 17, and he's probably 21. I mean, you're... Thirty-one no, no. now. Uh, yeah, I am. So he's probably twenty-one. He, he might be twenty-five. But they were letting people in 
Jacksons before two o'clock who were under twenty one. So Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, I was getting there around eleven, eleven thirty, I think, something like that. And I walk up and I see a guy come out in a track suit or not a track suit, but a track jacket and jeans, and I see a guy with a black suit next to him and I thought that was weird and then some kid goes up and asks the guy wearing the track jacket for a picture and I see that and then as I'm walking up towards them all the kid walking away is just like pumping his fists and just just you know just being like yes I can't believe that that's so awesome I can't believe I met him and then I walk over and I'm like oh man that's Colin Cowherd Ah. Colin Cowherd just walked out of the back of Jackson's as I was walking up and uh, he, you know, he's not Tom Cruise. He wasn't mobbed by a you know, yeah, hundred different people. Of course, people. Colin Cowherd, the ESPN radio personality, and I believe he also has a TV show in the mornings now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everybody okay. knows who Colin Cowherd is. Eh, you know, just helping a couple <laughs> people out who might not. Anyway, but yeah, thanks. <laughs> Everybody out there who didn't know who that guy was <laughs> listening to a sports podcast, then there you go. <laughs> so anyway, I was, I was standing right there, and uh, he was there, and I was like, uh, so I introduced myself to him. I said, hey, Colin, man, how are you doing? Thanks a lot for coming to Denver. Appreciate you. I'm a big fan. You're uh, really good at what you do. And uh, he looked at me, and he's like, oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Uh, and I, I told him my name. He's like, thanks, Ross. That's awesome. You guys in Denver are great. I, I love coming here. Uh, and I was like, well, See you later. So you booked him on uh, episode what for our show here? <laughs> yeah, I did. He's going to be on uh, episode... Uh... 37. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But he liked Denver. He said he loved Denver. Yes, What's he going to say? How can you not like Denver, though, when you come here? I mean, everybody thinks it's like... I remember being in uh, elementary school and talking to uh, one of my cousins that lives in Long Island, New York, and he asked me... Do you guys ride horses to school? And Long Island, New York, of course, is the uh, state on the East Coast that has the biggest city in the world, and Long Island is part of that. Yes, yes, that is Long Island. For those of you listening to a sports podcast that didn't know where Long Island was. It's not a geography podcast. I'm just saying, it's not a geography. Yeah. Yeah. But he asked me if we we rode horses to school, and I'm like, what? And then, like, people, people have this misconception of Colorado of it being, you know, like Jim Armstrong used to say, it does the old cow town. Or a place that's always it's either it's either you're riding horses around in the dust or you're getting a blizzard, right? And it's like no, Denver's like this, you know, pretty, I would say, in the no city that enjoys more sun than I think California as a whole on the year, right? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Denver is awesome. It's gorgeous. You're preaching the gorgeous. choir here, right? Yeah, you're everybody, preacher. everybody that's listening knows, you know, if they're out of state. They had to move away for a job or whatever reason, and they want to come back here at some point. Yes, probably. it's fantastic. It's a fantastic city for sure. And and I don't know. I mean, he was very nice. He was very gracious. He was not a dick at all. He was cool. Um, I, I did know that I had seen on uh, the Twitter that uh, he was going to be in Denver. They said the the herd is going to be in Denver, right? That's his show on ESPN, The Herd. Yeah. I, I thought, oh, yeah, well, that just probably means – ESPN Radio, 1023 ESPN Radio will be broadcasting here. But I didn't think Colin Cowherd would actually be here. I didn't really expect that. I don't know why. But anyway, I went down there, saw him, met him, shook his hand. He was awesome. He was a cool guy. Then I went into the bar. And then as I saw them breaking down the set that he had up there in the front on the 20th Street side over there in Jackson's. Yes. I saw that, yeah, they. oh, well, he really was in here broadcasting and – uh uh, anyway, that was cool, and uh, went into Jackson's. Jackson's always seems of... to have pretty good uh, national 
talent, I guess you could say, in there? Well, their location is just... I mean, it's the best location in Denver as far as sports bars go. And that's, of course, why you chose it to attend opening day for the Rockies. Yeah, and uh, I I was talking to my buddies who I was going to the game with ahead of time, and we were trying to think about where to meet. And I would, I would have suggested Jackson's, but I didn't realize exactly how crowded it would be. I don't know. I thought 1130, oh, that's two and a half hours before <laughs> game time. or yeah. You know, and uh, I drove was... to work at eight forty-five, and there was parking attendants waving their flags for people to come in and park people in various lots. Love it! It's like uh, St. Patrick's Day almost in that way that people go out there that early. Yeah, and I always stay home on St. Patrick's Day, and uh, but I didn't stay home on Monday. No, it was a great time. I uh, spent uh, the entire game just walking around. Did you watch? Yeah, that's, that's the question. Did you watch any of the Rockies' actual game? So we got in and uh, to the stadium right as the national anthem was being played. You had tickets. Yeah, I had tickets. You're there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting over. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you where I was sitting because I, I made the mistake of jinxing the Rockies, and I don't want to. I don't really think I jinxed them, but the first at bat that uh, uh, Giants Panda Bear. Yeah. What's his name? Pablo Sanchez. Pablo. What's his name? <laughs> uh, Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> yeah, Kung Fu Panda. His first at bat, you know, Yolis Chassin is pitching. And I'm sitting in the seats. And we watched the first guy get a single or whatever. The second guy was out at first. And then Pablo Sanchez, is that his name? I don't think that's Dirty it. Sanchez. I don't think that's it at all. Pablo you want me to look it up? Escobar. I'll, I'll look it up. Whatever. Right. It's the Kung Fu Panda. He was sitting there, and uh, I was talking to the guy next to me saying, well, we're in great seats for a home run ball for a lefty. I said, oh, and no. Then, and then uh, Pablo Sandoval. Sandoval comes up, and I said, well, here's our first chance. And then sure enough, first pitch, I seen first pitch ah. that he threw to Sandoval, boom, just killed it directly. I mean – uh, we were about four seats away from where this home run ball hit, and uh, it's like, okay, this game good is start. <laughs> and we were sitting, as you were mentioning, cargo shorts earlier. All these people were in cargo shorts. I was wearing jeans. Oh God, really? Did you consider? Did you cut them into jorts? I'm a 31 year old man. I don't wear short pants. That's awful. Not in public. Were you just miserable and uncomfortable oh, so, the entire day? So damn hot. It was so hot. Oh, it's too I, damn hot for a penguin so, to be walking around. So, yes. Shampoo is better. <laughs> so I uh I just you know, after the first uh, inning, you know, they scored two runs and then the second inning the uh Rockies did nothing. I got up and I said to my friends that I was with, I said, I'm gonna go get a beer. And by that I meant I'm gonna go walk around the outside, you know, that and probably the breezeway. Not, probably not come back to my seats for and at I least an hour. I never went back to the seats no. again. I did not. I uh, went uh, and I just walked around from uh, our seats in right field. I did you hit that around. bar in right field? That's a great bar. You're talking about the tequila bar? I don't know if it's just tequila. I think they have all sorts of stuff in there. Okay, so there's a, a bar. We were on, like, the main level, right? Yeah, main level, you right field. down, and, yeah, so you're talking about, like, the Sandlot Sandlot, bar. yeah. yeah I, I've never actually ever been in there, and I didn't go in there again. To me, it looks like a Red Robin or something. I don't feel like it would suit me. You should venture in there. It's, okay. You know, 
the bartenders, they got the, the shots flowing, beers are going. Yeah. It's a good place. No, it's a good I didn't. Place to be. I, I just walked around. Okay. You know, sure. what, what is that called? Like, I always want to call it like the terminal. You know, and and what's awesome about Coors Field is that you can see from. I think there's from, a name for it, but or, I don't know. What I, I call it the tarmac or the breezeway or something. Yeah, I breezeway can never, sounds good. I can good. never think of. The I like name breezeway. Let's go with breezeway. Let's go with breezeway. So I just walked around there over and over again. I, uh, in fact, I ran into a different buddy of mine that I wasn't at the game with in the bathroom of all places. I heard somebody yelling <laughs> to somebody else. That sounds like my buddy. I was at the urinal and. Uh, I heard somebody yelling, and I was like, that sounds like my buddy Brandon. I turn around, and I'm like, Brandon. He's like, Ross. So I ended up just walking around with him most of the game. Um, and uh, it was great. It was cool. It was a great day. It was a horrid game. But, again, I didn't watch pretty much any of it after that first inning. But I never do. I never watch opening day. We do. That is uh... not a baseball fan thing. That, that is, a, that is a you people just coming out of hibernation, wanting to get out into the sun, yeah. which I did. Get some sun. Were you rocking? Had, uh, were you rocking Bud Lights, or did you go find the Coors? Beers? I have no uh, preference. The funny part is, is it's Coors Field, but the main uh, concessions all have Budweiser, right? Well, yeah, but they also have Coors. No, they only have Coors in like a couple spots in the stadium. Well, you know where I noticed is that they have Bud at the places where you can pay with your credit card, but all the cash only kiosks or whatever have the Coors. Yeah, the little stands. which is kind of ridiculous. And I was I was it's thinking about this. Field, Why man. the hell do they not have credit card machines at every single place to buy? Even the guys walking up and down, uh, vending, you know, in the stands with their big thing. Why don't they have the ability to take credit card? It's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. Because everybody knows that Coors drinkers pay with cash, and Budweiser people are all reliant upon credit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair point. Kind of Fair disagree, enough. but they should. And I was, and I was talking about that with my buddy. I was like, "Why? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just make it easier to use uh, credit cards?" And then, of course, and, and then on top of that, they have ATM machines just in one corner of the stadium. Yeah, and over by the Buckaroos, you know, where the little kids get their food. Yeah, and I just thought it was absurd, and they, and I can't, I still can't believe how they can't figure that out. So we had, I mean, we had Andrew Martin on here last week, and he kind of expressed to us that he thought the Rockies would go maybe one of two ways, right? He thought maybe they could win the division, surprise a lot of people, or maybe they would, uh, you know, finish in the basement, you know? And it's looking <laughs> yeah, like right very now. very original point there, Andrew. Yeah, but the Rockies, yeah, hard to go either way. It but could be good or bad. No one between. No one knows. So the Rockies come out there one and three right now. They're currently losing to the Giants, I believe, seven to six in like the fourth, fifth inning. I, I, I don't know. It looks like you don't want to say that. You know, I mean, good teams usually start out pretty good. Bad teams usually start out bad. You want to, you know, there's exceptions every couple years of a team starting out kind of slow, not, you know, coming into their own later. The Rockies, we've even seen them start slow for like half a season and then have some monster runs. But there just seems to be some big problems with this team as far as pitching. Obviously, hasn't looked very good outside of Jeremy Guthrie. Rex Brothers looked pretty good on that, uh, the opening day game in uh, Houston. Houston. He looked all right. Bentoncourt looked terrible. The offense has been unable to hit anything. And kind of like I've seen this problem with the Nuggets. I'm seeing it with the Rockies. It's not like one or two guys are cold. 
it's like one or two guys go cold and the whole team like seems to go cold. And it's like, I thought this Rockies team, like Andrew was telling us was going to be a team that, that hit for hit for contact and didn't strike out and was going to, you know, he was worried about the offense, but it's, it's like, man, these guys don't look very good. No. So is it going no, to be, don't. do you think it's going to be a summer of going to the game to enjoy the atmosphere or are we going to actually see this team do something? First of all, it's always about going to the game to enjoy the atmosphere. There's only been a couple months in the history of the Rockies where you actually care about the game. <laughs> yeah, true. Rocktober comes to mind. Right. Yes. And even in that season, the Rockies were horrible the first part of the season. Yeah. And then they have an amazing run and luck into this. I wouldn't say luck, but they, they had a lot of mojo and a lot of magic. And, and baseball is a magical sport. And, I do love it for that, and it is mysterious, and there is superstition, and there's all that stuff about baseball that's different than all other sports, which keeps that eternal hope alive, and I love that about the game, and I love that about the sport, and it's one of the reasons why the Rockies have attendance records for having now 19 years or 18 years and now into the 19th year of just kind of eh, not that great of performance, but, yeah. but that just that, first of all, Coors Field alone is just a beautiful place to go. It's so fantastic. It makes up for a lot of whatever is happening on the field. Would you rather see the Rockies, would you rather see them score a lot of runs and lose some games that are kind of exciting I don't really know if that's even a question. Would you rather see them? <laughs> would you rather see them? You know, I guess be competitive and have kind of a a pitchers team where they're. I don't know. I guess what kind of bad Rockies would you want to see? Do you want to see a bad Rockies team where they're just never in any game, or would you rather see a team that is competitive but losing some like entertaining games? I want to see a Rockies team that hits the ball. Yeah, because right now I'm looking at their offensive team. I really do, and it's right not now because... just just to fill you in, they are second worst in the National League in runs scored. They've scored ten runs on the season through four games, and the next the the worst team is Pittsburgh with only eight runs. And then you see a team like St. Louis has already put up thirty seven, and the Rockies have given up twenty. So yeah, I mean, sure. First of all, I would just say looking at stats four games into a baseball season is. I mean, looking at stats, twenty games into a but season, but that's the is question right now: is like, is this offense this bad, right? Or uh, as you're saying, well, I, it's not supposed to be. Yeah, it's not supposed to be bad, but you know, I, I loved watching the Rockies of the '90s when we had we're putting up ten, eleven, or whatever runs a game and still losing a lot. Yeah, it's like fine. thirteen to eleven, right? You know, yeah. the pitching is impossible. Nobody can pitch here. Yet, you know, this crazy environment with no gravity and you know no atmosphere here right <laughs> yeah i mean that's fine i it's the rockies are unique in the fact that i will never get that down on them i just won't i won't start scrutinizing that much because to me it's not as it's not the broncos it's well certainly not the broncos absolutely but then again the rockies are my second favorite team in this city but what is that? What is that whole thing? Like, why aren't you that concerned about the Rockies, but you, like, you know, you'll sweat out a Broncos game, and sometimes, I remember when I was a kid, a Broncos loss would almost ruin my entire week. Absolutely. The Broncos, when they would lose, you know, even if it was five years ago, it would ruin my whole week. And I actually took pride in that. 
I thought that was a badge to wear around that I yeah. cared about a team that much. Wednesday, some kids like, like they suck, and you punch that kid <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> Monday I would come in and you know the work or whatever, and and they would lose, and I'd be like, don't talk to me, just don't even talk to me. You know, and I thought that was kind of a badge of honor to care about a team that much, and and it still does affect me. I'm just not, you know, it's not ruining my week. Is it anymore. because the Rockies haven't been to the mountaintop? They've never. I mean, they've been in a World Series. That's more than the Nuggets can say. Yeah, well, obviously, I don't care with the Nuggets. Yeah, but with the Broncos, I mean, what's that? What's that difference? Why do people care about the Broncos, but for the Rockies, people are just happy to be outside at Coors Field? Well, I think the Broncos, for one, are an elite franchise, right? I mean, they are a storied franchise. Well, I'm talking about, I guess I'll even say for our generation, too. Well, yeah, and so by the time I uh, became aware of sports, I was already, you know, the Rockies didn't even exist. And I was already indoctrinated into uh, the Denver Broncos and Football Sunday and John Elway and you know, back in the day, it was Dan Reeves, and, and that was what we did on Sundays as a family. We sat there, and we watched, and, and we would root for the Broncos, and all we wanted to do was watch them win. And it just so happened when I was, you know, eight, nine years old, the Broncos were winning, and they were good, but they weren't good enough to win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And so, but then when the Rockies came around, it was just, everybody was just happy to be there. Everybody was just so excited to have a Major League Baseball team. And so I think that one of the reasons why people are kind of just like, oh, it's just the Rockies, it's cool, is because nobody has any expectations for the Rockies. Is there still that honeymoon feel to the Rockies? I think so. I mean, again, uh, Coors Field is just an amazing place to be. And whoever chose that design, whoever had that built, where it is – I mean, Coors Field, as uh, an element of the Rockies franchise coming to Denver, completely changed the city. Yeah. It revitalized the slums of Lodo, and it turned it into this really cool place to be. Before that, people in the 80s weren't going down to 18th and Blake on a Friday night and waiting in line. No, you'd no be, was, you wouldn't uh, be caught dead down there. It well, was dangerous. Well, you would be probably caught <laughs> yeah. dead there. Right? Yeah. And so, so it's just what that stadium and what that – team did and and what how that revitalized downtown and turned it into this uh it kind of changed denver from uh you know for lack of a better term a cow town into this cosmopolitan place to be and that's now now, like an expensive area yes and it's beautiful down there and it is very nice it really is and uh and so i think that's part of it and then the other thing is when you're at a baseball game just the whole attitude surrounding baseball in general is different than any other sport and it and it's and it, it it is the most american of all sports it, it's just and and i love it and and then on top of that i think most people realize that baseball is a, of all sports rigged rigged it's, it's i mean it's completely rigged it's almost it's worse than the nba even though the nba is <laughs> really? well i mean it is just the the fact of the matter is <laughs> The Rockies to okay, so for instance, the Rockies have actually been to World Series. Remember the Nuggets have never. <laughs> yeah, so, and, the, and yeah, and the NBA is bad, but I'm saying that Major League Baseball, it is not a level playing field. Everybody knows that it's not a secret. But yet, maybe, maybe people don't want to talk about it yet. You know, you see guys like but the you Marlins. See all these, all, yeah, the Marlins. I mean, you see the Phillies. Have got, oh, I mean, I guess the Phillies are big spenders. But you see all these different teams get into the World Series and even win it. 
You know, I mean, there's it's there's not, much more different champions than, than the saying, NBA. I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah, but it's just whoever wins it outside of the Yankees or the Red Sox, it's just that cool season where ratings were low during the world series. And then they're like, Oh God, we got to get a backup for next season. <laughs> and nobody in major league baseball, um, is happy about it when the, uh, the, the pirates make it to the world series. But I think we'd be, I think we'd be a little remiss in saying that, you know, the Rockies are, don't have those diehards. You know I mean? I think if we went to purple com after Rockies loss, you know, after an important game or after any game, after any game tonight, if they lose tonight or last night or two nights ago, whenever the heck they lost their last game, I'm sure you'd see a plethora of people on purple row that were, you know, upset about, you know, decisions that Jim Tracy made the way people performed. So I think there are, there are those diehard fans. And I definitely, I don't know. I played baseball growing up. That was like the sport that I, I think I played the longest and for the most amount of time. And I just don't have that same, like, like, I don't know, with the Broncos, I don't have it much anymore because I felt like when Elway was here and he won those Super Bowls, that that was like my mountaintop. And I, after, you know, after that point in time, I was kind of, I'm kind of cool with whatever the Broncos do. And I, I like to watch them, but I'm not diehard. And now with the Nuggets, I'm like, I'm so diehard. I want to see this team get to the finals and win a championship. And, you know, when they lose a game, they play 82 of them. But when they lose one, I, I guarantee I get another gray hair. Yeah, and you and I've I've listened to you talk about this about the Nuggets, right? You scrutinize lineups and substitutions and, yeah. and inbound plays, yeah, and and things that are completely out of your control and probably in the grand scheme of things don't affect the outcome of a season. No, it's not like Phil Jackson is the best at substituting people or the best. He has like the best inbounds plays. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, and baseball is even more like that, right? I mean, from a management standpoint, as a manager of a baseball team, you could, you could basically just go buy a book on how to manage a baseball team and you would know, okay, when do we when do we send the guy to steal second? You know, when, did, when did, do we bunt? When do we you know and you know and how hard is it to know when to bring in another pitcher? I was really upset in that that first game in Houston. Uh, we saw Rex Brothers come in and pitch the eighth inning and just blow by three guys. Just these guys didn't stand a chance. And then we come to the ninth, and Jim Tracy does what every manager ever would do in major league baseball. And he brings in his closer to close the game and Bentoncourt walks a couple guys or allows a hit. Like, you know, the tying run or the winning run came to the plate. And it's like, why did you ever take Rex brothers out of the game? And that's when I, I actually did feel, I think when we had Andrew on and he filled me in about the team, filled us in about the team, everybody listening, I did kind of feel a sense of like belonging with those guys. And then when I watched that first game, I did get upset with the fact that Benton Court was in there, and I, I was like, "Man, this is a bad decision." So I did feel some of that, some of that kind of more hardcore fan or a fan that's paying attention. And then now that they've lost a couple, I'm, I've kind of found myself to be a little disinterested. <laughs> well, again, that's the thing. Why are you interested in the Rockies to begin with? Because we're because the Rockies are a contender. Because we want to be fans of a team that is important on the national stage. That's not going to happen. And when it does happen, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And everybody's going to love it. But the Rockies are never going to be a team that is going to win back-to-back World Series. 
not as the game is played. Yeah, it'd be a total what do you call it, an outlier or something. Exactly, it's yeah. an outlier, and uh, and so that and that's what you see every couple of years. There's a a team that'll come in. The Cardinals will win a World Series, and, you know. But there's always going to be the big major markets that are competing for that, and and it's not a reason to be down on baseball or anything. I mean, it's still a cool sport and beautiful and magical. I love it, but and I'll tell you the best, the absolute most magical moment I've ever experienced watching. A sporting event yeah. was in Coors Field. Yep, me too. And, me too. And it was amazing. And when and I would love to have that all the time. Are you talking game one sixty three? Are you talking the Spielboard Grand Slam? It was. Uh, gosh, now I can't remember. It was a. Uh, it was a playoff game. I was sitting way up in uh, on the first third base line in the top, and uh, it was the game. I think we were playing the Diamondbacks, and uh, the power went out in the middle of the game. <laughs> just we were there and then all of a sudden the power just went off and everybody just went nuts and uh i think we won that game it wasn't 163 was a playing game right yeah, yeah. that was my it wasn't that one that was the padres right yes the holiday it was that season but it was i think it was that first round of the playoffs might have been against the diamondbacks yeah or maybe yeah i think so yeah and uh it was it was just it was the most Electric. I've or do we roll through felt. the we roll through the Phillies and then the Diamondbacks? It I might think. have been that. Yes. I don't. I mean, I don't even remember. I just remember being there and yeah. loving it and and just having. And again, it was the most electric. You could feel a stadium, and that's and that's what's great about baseball is that that's almost any any game in any stadium, right? If you're there for a special moment, if you're there for a big time playoff game, whatever, it's like I was there at 163. I lost my mind. Yes, and I'm sure like holiday slid across, and everybody just was like silent and still waiting for that umpire, and he went safe. I grabbed my friend Rich by like his shirt collar, and we were just shaking each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, goosebumps, shaking each other for like ten minutes. Everybody was high fiving, hugging, all the way out of the stadium. It was nuts. There is there is no sport more magical than baseball. It really I, I is. Think you can get it that really is. Sport. But baseball is just it, it's just like it's almost you can't explain things that happen in baseball. You know, I mean, there's. You just can't do it, and it's. And I think it's because all there's. It's all build up. Like when you watch a three-hour baseball game, you know, two and a half hours of that is <laughs> yeah. all build up and and just uh, tension, and then a pitch is thrown, and then the action is over like that, and then it builds up again, and and every pitch, every single pitch, you know, when the game gets down to the wire, it just builds up that angst and that yeah. tension, and and so I mean, again. I love it. It was great. That game was horrible. It never at one point was I interested in what was going on. Opening day? Opening day. Yeah. I just was like, oh, God. Playoff baseball is so much different, but opening day is a magical thing. It's something that uh, I still want to try to write a congressman to get about and, and ask for it to be a national holiday. I don't think that will probably ever happen, but <laughs> the that's my wish. that is that everybody has a different home opening day. Well, they just, so you would like, it, like, a, a, like a, a congressman, a congressman, right? They would, you'd have to find like a state congressman or a governor. Yeah, Hickenlooper, Hickenlooper, Hickenlooper. Come on, get it done. Yeah, get it done. Get the wine coop brewery. Get your 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 cherry cricket burgers going. And by the way, did the Rockies get screwed this year because their home opener was on a Monday? Yeah, that was weird. Although that, it didn't didn't really seem to affect anything that I saw downtown. Yeah, I mean, absolutely not. I heard I, it was funny. I was sitting uh, in my seats earlier in the game, and there was somebody in front of me, 
And I think he must have been from out of town, or at least he just moved here. And he was saying, like, usually I go to opening day back home, and it's it's fun, and we all just kind of have some drinks, and then by the end of the game we're hammered. And he goes, but here, it's like op- out in the open. Everybody's getting hammered. <laughs> and that's I would like to go to some different opening days and see if it is as crazy as Denver is. Oh, yeah. You know how they always talk about St. Louis being, like, the best baseball fans in the world? I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure it's just a bunch of old people there in blankets because 70 degrees is too cold for them, and they're yeah. just clapping. I, yeah, I get so sick of hearing about how great of baseball fans St. Louis is. Yeah, I don't want to hear it at all. Scumbags, if you ask me. Scumbags. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, opening day, man. I, I can't wait to uh, to get back and get at it next year. I'll be there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, take a little break. And uh, when we come back, we got CSU football. <laughs> CSU football thugs. Ugh. Beating up innocent people <laughs> right after this. CSU football thugs. Uh, not making the alumni very happy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so what happened, man? Some guys get a little drunk. They beat up some poor frat kid. What's the deal? Yeah, we got some late night uh, football players supposedly driving by in an SUV, yelling stuff at some kids on the sidewalk. Couple, uh, a couple kids yell something back. SUV supposedly pulls over. Football players jump out, beat students severely. How many students? Uh, either two or four. I think maybe two. How many football players? Uh, th- well, three have been named, and the uh, three names have been made public. I don't know if there's more football players or more of their friends that were with them, or if it was just the three of them alone. Not quite sure. Mm. But uh, the three players involved: Mike Arakpo. Uh, of course, the younger brother of star NFLer for the Redskins, Brian Arakpo. Uh, defensive ends, Nordley Cappy and Colton Paulhaus. Nordley Cappy, of course, I believe, set an NCAA record last season for uh, defensive turnovers in a game. So he did anchor the CSU defensive line. These three guys, Arakpo, uh, at least Arakpo and Cappy, Pretty well-known names and pretty good players for the team. And the third guy? Uh, Colton Paulhaus. Don't really know too much about him. Another defensive end. But, I mean, whether these guys are stars or not, should their, their, their punishment shouldn't be any different. And the good thing about it, uh, Coach Jim McElwain uh, has announced the players have been suspended indefinitely. A story came out, I believe, today or, or, the, or previously that uh, the three players came to his office. He called them in to have a talk. And then he notified the Fort Collins police that these these players were in his office, and they if they wanted to come down and so they could talk to them, this is where they were. So I mean, he handled it by the book, I guess. That's what you kind of want to see the new head coach. Yeah, yeah. He called the players into his office and then notified police that they were there if they wanted to come down and, uh, you know. So why the suspension? You think? To suspend them indefinitely? Yeah, what's the deal with that? I don't know. I would almost think that the players may have admitted to the coach that they did have some wrongdoing here, right? I mean, I, I guess it's kind of a suspension indefinitely until more details come out, but it's kind of good that he's 
that that the coach of your football program did take that action right away, seeing as how two of these three guys are are pretty big names for your program. I'm not sure why you say it's good. Is that a? Am I going guilty before proven well, innocent? Is I that, think you're doing the thing where everything that happens is good, but I I, I feel like that's probably not good. McElwain hasn't. He's a new coach. He's yes. a new face. He did not recruit Arakpo or Cappy or Paul House or even if Paul House was even recruited. Yeah. Do we even know who he is? I'm not sure. But a coach ought to defend his players, protect his players first. He shouldn't call the cops on his players. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, we weren't in there to know the conversation of it. I mean, maybe he said, hey, guys, you guys want to maybe, you know, what if that happened? What if the players came in and told the coach, hey, this is kind of what happened, blah, blah, blah. And the coach said, well, what do you guys think we should do? Should we notify police? Yeah. Let's uh, do this, okay? I'm McElwain. You're Arakpo. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Mike Arakpo, heard you ran into some trouble last night. What happened? I drank... uh, Probably half a bottle of Jägermeister. Um, God knows how many beers I slammed out of a keg. And then Colton Pawhouse in this in the background, like, yeah, yeah, a rock paw. I told you, takes a picture. I told you <laughs> we shouldn't put the whiskey inside of the chewing tobacco. All right. So anyway, Mike, again, I'm Jim McElwain. All right. Okay. You uh, so you had you had some Jäger shots. Yeah. You uh, left the bar. Drink a lot of cake beer, coach. I don't even I don't even know how much. You were doing some drinking. Okay. What happened? Uh driving home down Laurel. Like any good college kid, we decided to scream and yell at uh the kids walking home. Uh they yelled something back at us. I don't I don't I don't, I don't know. Sounded mean to me. We jumped out of the SUV and uh stomped them pretty good, coach. What were you thinking of, Selinas? I mean, okay, sorry. <laughs> Not what he would say. So uh Oh, really? So you uh, got out of the car and uh, somebody was talking shit and you, you beat him up? Yeah, I mean, we... Did they say anything bad about me? They they thought that, you know, that your Alabama bangs weren't in style out here in Fort Collins. Really? Yeah. Okay. Your I'll make bangs. note of that. Yeah. They uh, didn't like my bangs. Didn't like them at all, Coach, no. Well, uh, did you tell them I was banging their mother last <laughs> night? Oh, no, uh, that's not what Jim McElwain would say. No, they, they, they tried to speak, but um, my fist is, as you know, Coach, pretty fast. I, I delivered a, a knockout blow before they could really get in two words edgewise. All right, Mike, listen, let me tell you something, bud. Pratty, giving 110%. That's what we want <laughs> on this football program. Now, what I want you to do is just sit there real tight. I'm going to make a quick phone call to the Fort Collins police, and I'm going to tell them that you, uh, you did this. One second, please. Do, 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 do. Fort Collins police. Yeah, this is Coach uh, Jim McElwain. Who? Jim McElwain. Sonny Lubick? No, no, no. Jim McElwain. Remember me? New coach from Alabama? Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Coach. Just want to turn in my boys, my guys. Two of the best players we had on our team. I want to turn them in for getting into a fight. Really? Yes. Yes, I want to do that. Please come down here and arrest them. Next call. Boop, boop, boop. Fort Collins, Colorado one. Hello, Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, it's Coach Jim McElwain. Who? 
<laughs> you know, the new coach. Sonny Lubick? <laughs> no. The new coach from Alabama. Oh, yeah. Hey, coach. How's it going? I'm suspending the guys indefinitely. Ruining their life. Because they came into my office and uh, told me they got into a fight. Okay, coach. Thanks. We got your uh, quote here. By the way, coach, how much are you paying that new defensive end that you recruited out of Kansas? <laughs> no comment. Okay. I'm Jim McElwain. Who? <laughs> yeah, Jim McElwain. Is this a big story at all? Does this? Does this? <laughs> is there anything here that's, you know, I guess controversial? That's crazy? That was handled the right way, the wrong way? It was. Uh, you seem to be leaning towards the wrong way. I I don't understand it. I mean, I always I always. Whenever I hear about this type of stuff, I always want to know why. Like, what's the big deal? Why are in light of college Joe Paterno, athletes uh, scrutinized more than um, anybody else? Uh, the, the college athletes that are out there basically um, just you know they're going to class. Some maybe I don't know, but they have classes. They may Supposedly. or may not go to them, yeah. but they're out there and they're they're busting their ass. They're going to practice. They're making all this money for the university, and I don't understand this uh, um, thing where the coaches now are going to do the right thing and they're going to. Well, gonna, are we seeing? A, I mean, they're going to. They called the Fort Collins police. Are we seeing a big reaction players. because of the whole Joe Paterno thing? Is this coaches trying to now step out in front and make it known? that they are in charge of their program, that they are handling things with, with the right steps and processes. Is this an overreaction? Yeah, from so that? that's what's happening, right? That's clearly what happened. Jim McElwain, the new guy in town, uh, is going to get ahead of the problem, right? And he's going to turn in guys that he didn't recruit, guys that didn't go to that. These guys didn't go. I don't know go. if it's not turning them in. I mean, the well, cops knew the who police. these guys were. And oh, well. Maybe. Jim McElwain's a powerful guy in that city right now. Yeah. Even if he's been there for three months or four months. As soon as it was announced that they got somebody from Alabama, that guy was a prominent figure in Fort Collins. Absolutely. The yes. the football coach is a, a big time. He's Bud Kilmer in Fort Collins. And wangers the, on the windows? <laughs> yeah, wangers on the glass. Yeah, and that's the thing. And and here's what I think. I think Jim McElwain, first of all, he's not a cop. He's not a detective. He's he's not. He has no... Uh, he has no right to get in and um, involve himself in these legal issues. And if, what are you talking about? He's the coach. He's the fatherly figure that promised these families that he would look out for their sons and he did daughters. Not. That's the thing came. is he didn't because he didn't recruit these guys, and he never had that conversation. And <laughs> and that's the thing. And that and by the way, we all that's know that's bullcrap anyway. But no, he never had that conversation. He hasn't. He, he has with other people. recruits. Shouldn't he be showing that his recruits that he has now that he is he is going to be the guy that maybe he is protecting them by letting the police know that they can come in and he'll help them along in the process. Like he is being the the figurehead that they need, the buffer that they need between the police that he's willing to you know not let Mike Arapko get picked up when he's at. Uh, at the local pizza joint when he's, when he's at college cafe, he's not going to be there alone. The McElwain's got his back. He's going to be there and be his buffer between him and the police. There has to be a certain demarcation line between the coach as a coach of the football team and the uh, guy who's going to oversee every single aspect of these kids' lives. Isn't that what you and, want out of a college coach, though? You want somebody to be more than just a football coach? 
Isn't that what we've been asking out of these guys? Not to leave their recruits, not to leave their team, their players, to be somebody that's going to be more than just a coach? I think that um, that's what the common uh, belief is. But no, I don't think that. I think guys like McIlwain are not coaches. Or, excuse me, they're not father figures. They're Division One football coaches. They're there to win football games, and they're there to... Uh, dictate what happens with these guys on the field. And when it comes down to legal problems, like this has become, and and by the way, how come we don't know the names of those idiots that were on the side of the road? You know, I mean, we all see this as a one-sided thing where... They do, um, the names are out there. There's John J.D. Haley, 19 years old, and 20-year-old Donnie Gosha. All right, John Haley and Danny Gosha. (laughs) <laughs> what? How, how come you're not getting suspended indefinitely from school? Yeah, for I mean, just just because they got beat up, does that make them the complete and total victims in this situation? Listen, no, absolutely not. And to suspend these guys, just because you're on the losing side of a fight, doesn't mean that you weren't as much of a problem for the fight being started in the first place, right? Absolutely. I've never once in my entire life seen just some innocent person get beat up. At a bar or on the side of the road. I know what happens, but it doesn't happen in a college town with everybody's tuned up on booze and all this stuff. It just doesn't happen that way. They're all being idiots. So you don't think this car driving around was looking for trouble? I, maybe. But the thing is, is they don't look for trouble and then find it where trouble doesn't exist already. They go out there and they look for other guys that want to fight them. And yeah, because the, them. the story didn't say that the story didn't say that a car drove by and just these guys jumped out. The story said a car drove by. They yelled something. The people on the sidewalk yelled something, and then the fight broke out. So there is there is definitely something there from from these these guys that got beat up. There is something on their end where they did say something back. So yeah, I think you're kind of right. We shouldn't be, I think, vilifying these these. Uh, the people in the car just because they won the fight, right? Yeah, and then there's also this double standard. And and football players in college, all right, so sure, they should know better, right? They know that they are – They have something on the line to lose, scholarships, have, their notoriety, their place in the NFL perhaps. Reputation, all that. Yes. And we also know that if they get into some sort of a fight or a fisticuff or whatever it is – out of all the people in that brawl, they're going to find out, oh, this guy plays football, so we're going to make him part of the story. But the bottom line is, whoever those kids were on the side, this John and Danny, you know, consider it a lesson learned, and let's all move on, and let's not, you know, whatever happened to mutual combatment here? Like, why can't people just get into a fight? And uh, these guys got to Yeah, there was no steam. knives or guns or bats. I mean, this was the funny thing is, is this was picked up. It was, you know, first report, I think, in the Colorado, but picked up by the Huffington Post.com. And that's oh, where it kind of became God. a national, you know, more of these athletes out there beating people up. Enter Jim McElwain, realizing, uh oh. I got to get now in front I got, of this. Now I got to make an example out of these guys. And maybe, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know if it's necessarily. Um, you know, because of the Paterno thing or whatever. I, I don't know if Paterno covered up whatever happened with that guy. Yeah. But whatever whatever McIlwain did here in this instance, he should have just stayed out of it. It's April, for God's sakes. I, d- I can't agree that he should have stayed season. out of it. I think that he, he has a role in 
in these kids' lives and his players' lives. I mean, he is for me. I I think a college coach should always be more than just a football coach. That's you know, if a kid you know has any kind of a problem, he should be able to go to the coach, and the coach should help him out. Like, I mean, that's just kind of part of being on the team. I think. I think that that is good that he was there and kind of had some kind of role in this situation instead of leaving these guys out to out to blow in the wind because I think as he soon called as, the cops on him. He, yeah, but that's maybe to get a handle it, on the situation. All he did was make it. Well, 10 the police times were looking to talk. Yeah, but the cops were looking to talk to these guys anyway. They wanted to talk to him, and he just got them all in a place where they all could have a conversation. I don't think that's as bad as as the fact that as soon as you hear about a story like this, that these guys are being vilified as these, you know, probably alcohol juiced up, you know, alcohol steroid induced players are out there looking. That's what people think when they see these stories. Is those guys are guilty. I mean, they're guilty right away before any of these facts come out of anything. Exactly. And if it is just a fist fight, I mean, yeah, it's bad that people got beaten up and it's not good to have, you know, to beat people up that can't defend themselves, especially if you're a football player beating, you know, a 22-year-old or a 20-year-old football player that's had this big weight training that's beating the crap out of some kid that can't defend himself. But I don't know any of the details of that but story. I, I, don't, I don't need to know the details. I know that whatever happened with Arakpo and – Josh and Danny, whoever these little punks are, that happened <laughs> 25 other times that same night with different people who weren't football players, and none of that makes the news. The exact same thing happens at every yeah. bar, every house party. There's more than one everywhere. black guy that night in Fort Collins. Well, actually, probably not. I mean, that probably was it, right? I mean, you brought it up, but it, you know. Maybe that's the only fight that came to That's the blows. only fight that had a football player. Yeah, you know, that we and, know about. Yeah, and the guys got beat up, and maybe they went to the hospital, and maybe uh, they should learn from that. Don't yell at a car driving by. When I was growing when up, they're yelling at you. My dad would always say something to me. He always would say, and I thought he made this saying up. And I've learned a lot of the sayings my dad said. He didn't necessarily make up, but he always would say, whatever, Ross, you know, eventually your mouth is going to write a check your body can't cash. Yeah. I.e., Top Gun, right? And there's always the... Your uh, ego's writing checks, your body... Yeah. And, and, my, yeah. and my dad, when I, when I first time I came home, beat up, what, what did you do? Call the cops? He's like, no, I told you. I told you not to mouth off to the big guy in the corner. Yeah. And, and I was like, you're right. And I didn't do it again. So... And there's the whole nothing good happens after midnight saying too, right? Right. It's now, kind of the same thing. Right. And, and see, that's the thing. And now Jim McElwain comes in. He's never coached these guys in a single game. He's never coached these guys in a single practice. What have they had? Maybe a couple team meetings. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a couple spring ball you know, things where they're limited to an hour of contact or whatever it is. There, there's, there's, there's no connection between uh, new coach McElwain and Mike Arakpo. There just isn't. And to have oh, that guy call the cops – as he's handling it now, he's just he's just making sure that he's covering his own ass. And the guys that he's recruiting now, he wouldn't do that if that happened later. And I I know there's this big thing where like oh college athletes are protected and all this stuff and they shouldn't be, but you know what they should be. They should be sheltered a little bit. They should have extra benefits. They should uh, they should have uh, a little. Uh, little leniency when it comes to this type of stuff, not necessarily by the law, but at least by the organization that's benefiting from their play. <laughs> I mean, they, they throw them under the bus so quickly and easily because they want to cover their own ass. And that's what McIlwain did here. 
And uh, to me, it, it's not a good thing. But if and, we had the details of this story, perhaps you know the police came in and McElwain said, "Hey, you guys are looking for these three guys, but here's the real story of what happened. These two kids." You know, we're throwing rocks at the SUV. I mean, we don't know. We don't know exactly what McElwain's conversation was with the police. We just do know that he did alert uh, people to this, you know, did alert the Fort Collins police to the fact that he had these these players in one location if the cops wanted to come speak with them. So. He should have stayed out of it. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't agree. I think I, I like the fact that he stood up for his players. He didn't stand up for his players. Well, we don't know if he did that. or didn't. No, he didn't. He called the cops on him. Well, he alerted the cops to the fact that they were there. Maybe he stood up for them once the police showed up. I guess we can't. We gotta agree to disagree on what may or may not have happened there. All right. So typical uh, CSU thuggery. The basketball team hired a new coach, <laughs> <laughs> or is trying to hire a new coach. Yes, CSU new coach. Uh, Ernie after, uh, Johnny Duguid or what was his name? <laughs> Johnny Duguid. I don't know, or... uh, like <laughs> Leslie Miles or whatever. Les Miles. More miles. Tom Miles. Tom Miles left to go to Cornfield, Nebraska, and whatever. He was like, you know what? Fort Collins, not quite uh, podunk enough for me. <laughs> yeah. So then CSU did. <laughs> going to Lincoln. Uh, CSU did what any spurned college basketball team would do. They went out and stole their own coach from another college. Always love to see that. So the fans in Oregon can now be upset that Ernie Kent may be heading to uh, CSU at some point. They're working out, they're ironing out contract agreements for one Ernie Kent, who has, I believe, taken Oregon to a few pretty recent NCAA tournament appearances. They've been to the Elite Eight, I believe, a few times recently. So, pretty, so this pretty is a good hire. this is a good pickup. Yeah, and it's I mean, I guess it's it's me just you know, I was so upset that Miles left the team and, you know, how can he leave his players and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, hey, they got this guy from Oregon. That's pretty sweet, right? He's a like good Tom coach. Right there. Yeah, that's how he talks. Hey! Hey! hey. Got... Skippy! So CSU got uh, – their coach got uh, pilfered from them, so they went and stole from another college. So the uh, – the what do you call it? The carousel continues to go round and round. Interesting. Uh, Ernie Kent, was he the head coach of Oregon? I think so. Should wow. be. Should have been. It seems like Oregon would have a better shot at being a premier team than CSU. Now, yeah, leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Mountain West is a bit of a right. And Oregon, obviously, that's like the Nike school. Yeah, you know, with Beaverton, right? Beaverton, Oregon the, is nearby. That's you have the, the sweet Nike. basketball court. I mean, the football team's benefited highly from Nike. The basketball team has a pretty cool court. I'm sure they probably have 60, 75 different kind of uniforms, just like the football team. Mm -hmm. But. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the big pull is to come to CSU unless it's he, just money. I mean, I don't know anything about this. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know they they hired this guy Ernie Kent. Well, they're still ironing out his contract. I believe. I'm not sure if it's official yet or not. But but uh, and uh, I mean, there's no. I mean, it seems like just you think his assistant. Oregon. Yeah, it's got to be an assistant, right? Well, is his assistant coach going to be like Bert Thompson? Wait, who's? Ernie's gonna hire Bert. Oh. To come in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. The football team's beating people up. The basketball team's stealing from other schools. So things are going well at my alma mater. <laughs> oh, CSU. Good job, Fort Collins. <laughs> Seriously though, McElwain, you screwed the pooch. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Uh, maybe he's uh, just worried about 
following the footsteps of Gary Barnett, who never really did said or did anything when his players got in trouble. He just won. <laughs> he just won Big Twelve championships. No big deal. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's all well, I did. You know, see, Colorado, in as far as college sports go, is a tough place because the teams aren't protected like they are in places like Alabama or I mean, who is the dude? Uh, not not Petrino. Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino. You know what I mean? Like he had a sheriff's guy, a sheriff's deputy, pick him up in his own car and and drive him away from the scene of an accident. Yeah, where he had security. his little. Little girl there, but his but. big problem was he uh, he he wasn't keeping the AD in the loop on all this stuff, so he did wind up getting fired. I mean, you got You got to have your boosters and your AD. You guys got to all be in the same in in cahoots together, right? You can't be uh, the rogue rebel that's you know doing stuff that they don't know about because then they can't cover it up for you. Guys that driving around a little twenty four year old AD assistant on your Goldwing and just smashing <laughs> his bike into anything that moves, <laughs> idiot. So whatever, man. But you know, honestly, though, in a way, I think that sport athlete, college athletes, do need to be protect, protected by the organization, by the system. Except just not by their head coach. Their head coach should leave them flapping in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you're saying. The coach shouldn't call the five zero on him. Ernie Kent, Mountain West coach of the year. And he needs to watch some underground, some underground East Coast videos. I believe with the title "Stop Snitching." <laughs> Stop, yeah. Come on, Mick Elway. Elway wouldn't do that. He just signs Peyton Manning. Come on. Absolutely. Following his footsteps. Yeah. They need some leadership up there. Yeah. All right. Take a quick one. Talk about my nuggos. No, I mean, are we going to take a break? Yeah, let's do this. Let's uh, play some uh, little bit of music here. And then uh, when we come back, we'll talk about whatever, right? Nuggets? Nuggos. Yeah. Sounds good. That was quick. That was very fast. Nuggets. That was like Ty Lawson on a fast break fast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, hold on, hold on. Oh. We have a uh, real quick text message to read. Yeah, read it. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I closed this. Oh, my Talk gosh. for a second. I'll bring it up. So the Denver Nuggets tonight in action at the Pepsi Center against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Denver comes out, scores uh, 68 points in the first half. Looks like they're going to win because they're up 19, 20 points all game. Third quarter seems to have been a problem as Denver is outscored by 12, 33 to 21. Nuggets have a close fourth and win the game 113 to 107, thanks in large part to Danilo Gallinari. Uh, it looked like Kevin Love got injured. He only played eight minutes. And then Anthony Randolph, draft bust extraordinaire, comes in and scores 28 tonight for the Timber Pups. So Nuggets get a win. They are still hanging on to the eighth and final playoff spot out west, now in a three-way tie with Dallas and Houston. So uh, Wait, big they're games in a coming up. Three-way tie, but they're in eighth. So they're in a three-way tie for sixth to eighth. Okay. Gotcha. And the Nuggets don't have tiebreakers with anybody. We actually have two games with Houston coming up this weekend that will determine the tiebreaker there. But Dallas owns the tiebreaker over the Nuggets. Right. Sunday and Monday. Right. Yes. Rockets at home. And Rockets away. on the road. Let me read a quick text message. Now, this is from uh, Jeremy. Now, Jeremy has always been one of our best listeners. Uh, he lives in Istanbul. World traveler. Which uh, is in Turkey. As, mm. you know, maybe some people know it as Constantinople. Yeah. I was just thinking of mesquite turkey. It's delicious. Mesquite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so Jeremy texts us. He says, hey, guys, so pumped to have Gallo back for the nugs. 
He brought creativity and set Manimal free. Hope they make some noise and win a round or two. Nate took your advice. My wife and I both read all three Hunger Games this past week and then saw the movie yesterday. It's good, but the books have so much more. And that's from, again, Jeremy in Istanbul slash Aurora, he says. Nice. So uh, clearly we got an expat out there who uh, grew up in Aurora, maybe, and uh, now lives in Istanbul. Um, so- Makes a great point about Danilo being back in the lineup for the Nuggets. They look like a new team. Yes. Uh, here's here's kind of funny. Next time we have Jeff Morton on, we got to make sure to ask him this question. Uh, I remember Gallo came out last game and shot like four of eleven. Tonight he goes seven of sixteen, which is under fifty percent, but still not too bad. Three of seven from outside. Jeff was uh, labeling Wilson Chandler a chucker for similar type numbers, and I would almost guarantee that Mr. Morton would say that Danilo is not chucking the ball, but he's just trying to find his groove and doing what it takes to make the team win. Jeff is a big fanboy of Mr. Danilo Gallinari. So you're putting words into his mouth? Is no, I just – I guarantee that's what, I that's what he would say. I bet that's what he would say. I bet. I guarantee it. Next time we have him on, we can replay this little part. But Jeff, I guarantee, would defend Danilo's first two games back after injury with the Nuggets. But when Wilson Chandler came back from China, Jeff labeled him almost immediately as a chucker. A chucker. Yeah, because Wilson, of course, could take Gallo's spot on the team if he proved to be a better player. So Jeff, big time Gallo fanboy, but you know he looks he looks pretty wise in that uh, assertion because the Nuggets are now two and zero with Gallo back in the lineup. He's also rocking some high white socks, and he's also growing his hair out. He's got a pretty nasty little mop top going. I'm just happy that uh, he stopped putting up Italian soliloquies on Twitter. Oh, he'll be back to that. I'm sure he's not going to stop. I mean. <laughs> He can't. He can't. He can't. He won't. Can't <laughs> wait, stop. Won't stop. Wait, is he Italian? I think so, yeah. Or Spanish. He's Italian. I don't know. Rudy Fernandez is the Spaniard who was actually listed on the Nuggets box score tonight said, Rudy Fernandez has not entered the game. That's because he flew back to Spain and he's rehabbing his back overseas. Oh, Come on, ESPN. Get the program. European cowards. Why do we put faith in guys like Danilo Gallinari, who the only time anybody thought he was good was after he left? I said this weeks ago. I said the problem with the Nuggets is that Danilo Gallinari is our best player, and the, he, it's not evident by his presence but by his absence. This is not a good thing. He's good. You need to, you <laughs> need to be able to recognize the guy's impact while he's there, not when he's gone, and wish, oh, well, Danilo would have been good in this game. No, Danilo is a Euro douche. Wow. I think Danilo uh, definitely has shown his worth over the past two games. He's uh, He's been creating on offense. My biggest deal with him is he's actually 6'10", and he closes out before the pass gets to his man or to a man that he's closing out on. He he reads he reads defense pretty well. He's a, a better defender than people give him credit for, and he's actually, I don't know, it, it, offenses or the other team's defense has to worry about his offense. I mean, he is shown a great ability to flop like no other, like a fish out of water. But that has actually kind of helped him get to the foul line. It gives the Nuggets somebody else besides Ty Lawson that can have the ball and create either a, a play for somebody else or something for himself. And he's actually looking pretty good. Nuggets, again, 2-0 and since he's returned to the lineup and might make a little noise the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think we should judge all – teams based on a two-game window. <laughs> yes. And we yes. should judge NBA teams based on whether or not they make the playoffs, even though 
almost all of the teams <laughs> make the playoffs. 16 out of 30 make the playoffs. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> not not the not not like uh the bottom 25%, but just the bottom 50%. I was looking They uh, are literally worse than half the teams in the NBA and they're going to make the playoffs maybe. Yeah. But I was looking at the games and the, you know it's a 66 game season and Danilo up until he returned two games ago had missed 60% or he'd only played in 60% of the game. So he'd missed 40% of the season. And you know no matter what you think of him, he is definitely one of the top 3 players on the team. And not having him for 40% of the games is a big reason why we've seen the Nuggets struggle so much. When you're having to rely on Corey Brewer instead of Danilo Gallinari, even though they're both taken in the NBA lottery for some unknown reason, Corey Brewer is awful. He's a He looks like a great teammate, nice guy, can't shoot, can barely dribble. This guy's terrible. When you're having to play him instead of Gallo, I mean, I think that we've we've seen a big reason why Denver's been so inconsistent because they haven't had their best players for big portions of the year. Yeah. All right. I mean, they haven't had good players either. I mean, no, their best players that they haven't had are, would be the worst players in the NBA. Yeah. On any other team. I don't (laughs) know. They have eight games left Ross. (laughs) eight games left. They're hanging on to eighth place by about a game and a half over Utah and Phoenix. I mean, I guess we'll we'll find out, you know. Obviously, we're going to see. It's it's so stupid to say, but we'll find out what they're made of over these last eight games. And then we'll see, you know, if they do get into the playoffs. The crazy thing is, is uh, San Antonio has, has caught Oklahoma City, so we don't know who the one or two seed is going to be. But, I mean, nothing nothing really matters, okay? It doesn't matter if the Nuggets make the playoffs. What matters is, you know, can they win a first round series? Is that good enough for Denver fans? We talked about it with the Rockies. Are we just are we happy enough with, with the Nuggets if they win a first round series? Or are we going to be are we gonna hold the team to a to a higher standard? Do they need to win two series they, the Nuggets need to get to a damn NBA finals. I don't I don't care if they win one or two series. So what? What does that mean? That means nothing. This team needs to get to the NBA finals. They need to not only get there, but maybe win a championship before I die. That'd be nice. Yeah. And, you know, we've gotten, it I think, be nice. we've gotten to a place where we've been used to the fact that since Carmelo Anthony came here, that we've gotten to the playoffs. Like we say, ho hum, wow, more than 50% of the teams make the playoffs. That's not a big deal. And now we've gotten comfortable with the fact where, oh, maybe they'll win in the first round and we can consider that a success because. That's where teams like the Nuggets should be, winning one playoff series and then that's it. No, that's not good enough. We're not – I mean, until until you can look at your team like fans of the San Antonio Spurs, the Los Angeles Lakers, teams that have won championships and say, we're going to hold this team to a higher standard and we're not going to be happy with just a playoff series win or a couple games in the first series. No, we want to see this team win the whole freaking thing. I agree. I don't know what I'm talking about, but no, no, you do. Yeah, you know what you're talking about. You're just kind of like you never. You're you, you're avoiding the obvious. Well, you never you never see this team finish. They finished, I think, with the two seed the, the year they went to the Western Conference Finals. But we always kind of let ourselves get used to the expectation of the Nuggets finishing anywhere from two to eight. You know, 
it's like we need to be we need to be at the point where where we're not happy unless they're finishing number one overall, and if they're if they're you know not making noise in the playoffs and winning championships, like we can't just be satisfied with the fact that they finish in the top eight. That's garbage. You know, seven teams don't finish in the top eight. So now that's a good question. Now that's a good point. You just said we shouldn't be as Nuggets fans satisfied unless the Nuggets are finishing first in the Western Conference. Or, I mean, you didn't say this, but maybe you mean at least competing for it, at least in it towards the end of the season. Yeah, you you should always be fighting for one of the top couple spots, right? Right. Now, so what, what can a fan even do uh, to make that happen? Is that even possible? And we spent the last few weeks kind of digging on George Carl a little bit, even though we've also talked about how in basketball the coach has – you know, very little to do with what's happening on the court. At what point does do fans realize that we have really, really bad ownership here? And these guys, the Cronkies, have been milking this city for 10-plus years. Just every opportunity they get, they convince us to build a stadium. They do all this stuff. They bring in Mellow. They uh, they don't really support him. I mean, I know they brought in some guys, but Mello was never a part of this community here. They never brought him in. Um, the Nuggets kind of like he was on rent from New York for a few years. Yeah, that's exactly exactly. That's a really good way to put it, and and that's what it was. And 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 Mello made a lot of money. And I'm not I'm not certainly not defending Mello. I don't I don't think he's a man of good character. I don't think he's a really uh, all that elite of a player. He's naturally talented but he doesn't have any drive but at what point do do the fans uh fight back against the ownership here and if they did would that even make a difference yeah it, it just seems like like you're saying you know i mean this george carl era has been about making the playoffs that's all it's been about the only thing that we've seen out of the nuggets since he's been here is a team that you know came close one time and that's almost supposed to be it's it's being fed to us like that that's good enough you know but i'm not quite sure i i don't think that i think a guy like masai ujiri who i've you know had conversations with i feel like this guy is he wants more than that whether he's but he has to be the one to convince guys like josh Kroenke to spend the money and to do what he sees happening like his vision has to become Josh Kroenke's vision you know he has to make him see things the way he does and he has to convince the owner to spend money to make the moves that he wants and but i mean there's no guarantee that what Masai has planned is going to bring Denver a championship but that's kind of what Josh Kroenke has brought him in for right like you bring your GM in to I see no evidence of that of of Masai wanting to win a championship here or trying or to win a championship? The, the Josh Kroenke wanting to win a championship. Buying into here. it? I, I mean, I, I don't see any evidence that they truly want to win a championship here. We kept hearing all those years about Kroenke, you know, when Stan Kroenke was at the helm, and I'm not saying he's not now, but, oh, he's a basketball guy. You know, he's from Missouri. Yeah, this is his number one passion. And he loves that stuff. And It looks to me like but, Stan Kroenke's passion is – owning a big chunk of earth he's a businessman yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and and he is and ought to be viewed as the evil owner in this city and it, it's kind of funny to me because there's so much there's so much uh, negativity towards the rockies ownership outcry public outcry against them yet 
making the playoffs in baseball is a feat, right? Big time. Only what four of the teams in the National League make it, um, and a wild card maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, your three division winners in a wild card. Right. So the, the you know, but then when the Nuggets go through and make the playoffs and lose every year, nobody ever talks bad about the Crockies. I never hear anything. No public outcry about them. Well, it's always like in the and playoffs, you always heard about Dan excuse, O'Dowd too, right? right? Like everybody hates Dan O'Dowd, and yeah. to me, it's like Dan O'Dowd's a saint because he's making basically something out of nothing. There's no yeah, he's being severely hamstringed with a payroll thing, but right. he, he does take a lot of grief. He does, and the, but yeah, it's also he, Dan O'Dowd's you would job. Never know, you ask the average uh, fan in Denver, you say, "Do you know who Masai Ujiri is?" Nobody would know. I think it's Dan O'Dowd's job, though. To convince the Monforts to open up their wallets, right? Yeah, but but the but people don't. And realize that's the same with the Monforts, Masai Ujiri. The Monforts are majority owner of the Rockies, but the Rockies are owned by an, a corporation, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that own the Rockies, not yeah. just the Monforts. They own a big chunk, and they're the majority, and they're kind of the face, the brothers, right? But the the Nuggets are like right, they're straight cronky, right? Yeah, and if if they are straight cronky, KSE Enterprises, condo, whatever, uh, on 4, top of the Pepsi square center. foot condo on the side of the stadium that we paid for. Yeah, and I, I really think that I mean, I mean, I hope I hope this is kind of how it goes. I hope that if Masai Ujiri wants his vision to be realized by Josh Kroenke and he doesn't see it, if he doesn't see that that's happening, then they're not giving him, you know, the money he needs to sign whatever player he wants. If they're not giving him the green light to have his vision come true here, I hope he quits. I hope he walks away from the franchise and just says, you know, he's, he can't really publicly badmouth him because that would probably, you know, burn your bridge where he can't get another job. But if he did happen to leave the Nuggets in the next three or four years and go somewhere else, I think that would be a huge sign that, you know, he couldn't get ownership to do what he wanted. But, I mean, if you see the Nuggets, I don't know. That's just kind of how I see it. Well, it's not that hard to be the GM of an NBA team. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've read accounts where it's very guys, difficult. Right? Yeah. The guys that have the money to do it, they make, they get all the best players, and then they put them out there, and then they win. Yeah. Right? And, and we're not talking best player like Kenyon Martin. I mean, who clearly is an insane person, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, I do kind of respect it. I, I do like the direction that the Nuggets are heading in with the way that they have. I mean, what they had before with Melo and his cast of characters was not working. What they had with Nene this season, I heard Scott Hastings talking on 104.3 The Fan today about how Nene never took responsibility for his own flaws how he was always a guy that was trying to say the statistician didn't give me the right amount of, of blocks tonight or this or that, or this guy didn't give me the ball in the right spot or blah, blah, blah. Nene wasn't a guy that was going to put the team on his shoulders. He's not a Kobe Bryant. And so I'm not going to fault, you know, the nuggets for getting rid of him. And I, I do kind of like that they're, they are taking a different direction and maybe a different approach with this kind of team. But, we shouldn't be satisfied by just making the playoffs with this team. And next season, if the Nuggets are struggling to make the playoffs again, then we really need to start saying, what the hell is going on? Like, you know, sure, they have a lot of different parts this year. They made a big trade. They brought in a lot of new guys. Maybe there's a little bit of an excuse, maybe a tiny bit of some leeway for getting into the playoffs, but not next year. Next year, if they bring back these same guys or bring in somebody else that's better, this team sure as hell better finish better than you know, just floating above 500 and getting the eighth spot. I mean, we're looking at a Clippers team that was thrown together this season with Chris Paul, and they're they're fourth. 
Right. The Nuggets need to be San Antonio's old as hell. Their their main guys are old. Tim Duncan is is basically just playing on fumes now. And these guys are second in the Western Conference because of a guy like Greg Popovich who's not afraid to play dudes like I don't even know who their player is, Danny Green from UNC that was on Ty Lawson's team at North Carolina. I mean, this guy's getting it done, and we need to start asking in Denver after this season, even now, like, why Why is this team that is supposed to be better that, you know, has been built to be a team that shares the ball, why, aren't, why are they struggling to make the playoffs? And if yeah. they're struggling next year, there's got to be some people that are held accountable by losing their jobs. Yep, I agree. Whether it's the training staff, the coaching staff, we're going to have to see some shakeups other than just the players after next season yes. or during next season. Yes. And we'll see. And you know what? It was a weird season. I'll admit that. Strange year. Strange times. But, I mean, they the can... the best st- of times. It was the worst of times. Yeah. They can still make a little the noise. the of two cities. Denver, Denver and Colorado Springs. <laughs> <laughs> Is Colorado uh, Springs even the second biggest city around here anymore? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's big, man. Every time I hear the Springs, I just think of like car dealerships right off the highway and Ted Haggard. Uh, no, I don't even think Ted Haggard. Oh, in the new life. Oh yeah, yeah. Colorado Springs, where hate is a family value. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it up. Right, we'll come back. Right, Nate Timmons. That's me. What's up with you, man? What's been going on besides losing my mind over the Nuggets? You know, really I can, about I the can tell you're conflicted about this. And I know you're a big fan and you follow them. It's okay. It's all right, buddy. There, there now. There, there, child. It'll be okay. Eat your porridge and be happy. <laughs> <laughs> what is porridge, anyway? Porridge is a wheat-based uh, thick soup. That is uh, derived from the old English style of uh, chicken broth and flour. <laughs> if any of that's correct, I'd be pretty surprised. I would be surprised myself. Yeah, uh, sounds good, right? Yeah, I don't know how much is going on with me. What's what's new? What's new in the world of N. Timmons? I don't know. What he got written down over there? Wasn't there something that was interesting with me at some point? <laughs> Um, here is a excerpt from uh, Nate Timmons diary. Dear George Carl, I love you. I don't know why you can't get Masayo Jiri to call me back. I have called him so many times. <laughs> All I want to do is be there with him and let him make his team. I just want him to hold me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> I know. Should I stop reading? Yeah, I don't think I even wrote it. Oh, wait, that was signed uh, uh, not just Nate, but also Andrew and Jeff. Yes. Yes. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, we're, we're we're breaking into summer here. We were talking earlier, I think, when I came in about the, the odd concept of regular glasses that double as sunglasses. I don't know why we were talking about that, but sometimes it freaks me out when I see somebody – 
at a at a table outside, and I look over, and all of a sudden, like they're wearing sunglasses, and I'm like, I know you didn't just put those on. Well, you know what uh, I noticed? I watched the Masters this weekend. Ugh, why? You don't you don't like watching the Masters? No. Why? What's your deal, man? I don't know. I mean, what's the point? What's the point of watching some old hacks? Playing a game that is fun to play every once in a while. So that's interesting. So you think they're old. I don't know. Are they? They're all super young now. Who cares? All these guys. Wasn't Fred Couples leading the thing? I remember Fred, my grandpa talking Fred about Couples, Fred Couples. I think he won the Masters at one point. By the way, Fred Couples is a badass. That dude doesn't wear a glove. You know, like no golfers. Oh, so he's kind of like Marcus gloves. Thomas of the Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. Except it's golf. Yeah. It's different. Freddie Couples is awesome. Show some respect. But anyway, I was watching uh, the Masters this weekend. and got to uh, take a leak, Ross. I might run and do that. <laughs> That's what the Masters makes me want to do is use the bathroom. <laughs> Another potty break. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Go do it. Here, we'll just play some music while you're gone. from the potty break guess who's back so as i was saying i'm a little disappointed uh not in the play at the masters but the uh sunglass fashion ah yeah i feel like we're taking a step back what do you mean oh sunglass world are we going back to like the the, you know it's the oakley's the weird ones yeah they look like uh the same types of oakley's that david justice would wear or something on the baseball field 15 years ago yeah and uh, I kind of like the way sunglass fashion has gone over the past like couple those, of years. I think the ones you're talking about are kind of like the sideways shark fin. Yeah. Kind of yeah. triangled. Yeah, yeah exactly. Those the are blades. Awful. awful. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. No. And uh, when uh, I came over uh, and met you at the door today to let you in, you made a comment about me wearing sunglasses indoors. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to you that they're prescription sunglasses. And that's something that happens to me a lot. I find myself wearing sunglasses indoors a lot more than I would otherwise because I don't carry my regular spectacles around <laughs> in my pocket. You know, so I'm wearing sunglasses in grocery stores and bars. And, and uh, some people are like, well, who are you, man, wearing yeah, sunglasses? Bars. What are you, too bars? cool? You know, I mean, I just have to because if I walk inside from the outdoor sun, I could walk in and take off my sunglasses and then I can't see anything. <laughs> You're blind and you walk right into like the soup display. Yeah, that's exactly right. Michael Thoff's down 3%. We got to save money. 
So we've gone backwards in sunglass technology is what you're trying to tell us. Well, maybe not technology, but just like watching these guys at the Masters. I, I, you know, And on top of that, we're kind of in a bad state of fashion for golf fashion. You know, I mean, I think this has to do with the fact that Payne Stewart died so yeah. young. Because people thought he was, like, goofy wearing his knickers or whatever. The What are those called? Those pants? They're like the knickers? top fives or four fives or something like that. High fives. Knickers, I'd go with. <laughs> knickers. High like waters. A... Real high waters. Yeah. And, uh, and now it's like uh, I was watching Mickelson this weekend. He wears the, he was wearing the exact same pants that I see chefs wear, but not like <laughs> not like like cooks, not chefs, but cooks yeah. like Red Robin. Yeah. They wear those same weird pants, the like, black with white stripes. Yeah, with some weird design on them, somewhat. And it's it's weird. It's like I rocked those. I rocked those a lot when I worked at golf courses in, ah. in the kitchen. You worked at a golf course in the kitchen. I was a cook. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So you happen to be a cook at a golf course? Yes. Interesting. So Phil probably stole those from, uh, he probably got drunk, wandered into a kitchen, woke up with those pants on, and just walked out with them and, you know, shot I, round I, two at the I Masters. I think the old lefty likes the booze. Something uh, <laughs> gives me that impression for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Would it be his uh, red cheeks? Yeah. And, you know, his... His inability to ever have anything less than a bit of a beer belly. He's not an angry drunk, though. <laughs> No, he seems like a good, like a good time freewheeler. Yeah, he seems like he likes to give a lot of hugs. <laughs> yeah, when you're, when yeah, you're he speaks with him, and hugs. He yeah. likes to give a lot of hugs and introduce you to really important and rich people. Yeah, and just be like, be like, <laughs> "Hey, Nate, I love you, man. Let me introduce you to the senator. Come here, come, come here, senator. <laughs> come here, meet this, meet this guy. He's got his arm around you. Yeah, senator yeah. comes in. He's like, tries to give him a hug too with the other arm. Tries to, you know. Yeah, and then at the end of the night, he'd be like, "You okay, man? Why don't you just, just stay in my place, man? Crash on my, crash on my. Amy's cool. Amy, can they crash in my house? Yeah, she's cool. She's cool. I'll deal with her in the morning. Come you on, got, buddy. You gotta get home. Let me get you my limo. My limo get you home, Freddy. Freddy. Yeah. No. 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 Definitely. He'd be like, I, I'll drive. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I only had like one or he two. I got you. He doesn't have a limo. He's got a Porsche. He's like, I'll, I'll get it. I got it. Where's my keys? <laughs> He'll drive you home. Yeah, I can see that old fatty McButter pants. Oh, he looks good these days. I think. Yeah, he's. he's yeah, maybe he, he did cut great. out the booze. Yeah, maybe. Doubt it. Maybe he's just uh, gone to a lower alcohol calorie drink. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, you didn't. I'm guessing you didn't see the. Uh, what is? <laughs> what are you doing? It's gone. <laughs> Look at my. Carl's sports thank wife. Carl's sports wife. <laughs> and he burnt pie. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta fix that on air uh, light. That looks amazing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we'll get those right now. But let's wrap it up here. 36. Who do we dedicate this to? Dedicate? Where was your story? You had no story? What do you mean? Sunglasses? That was it? That's all we got? I think so. Do you have anything else to add? <laughs> no, I don't have, no, I have nothing. Nothing. I love drinking water. It's amazing. <laughs> it's not as good as Dale's Pale Ales, but it's close. I swear to God. You're fired. <laughs> Episode 36. <laughs> How about Justin Bannon re-signing with the Broncos? He's here in 2010. Broncos have a miserable season. He goes to St. Louis. Uh, they sucked. Now he's back in Denver because Peyton Manning's here. All right. Big D tackle. Broncos need D tackle help. Justin Bannon. 
Justin Bannon, the man. All right. Shall we uh, just wrap it up with that? With Justin Bannon? We had Justin Bannon. We had opening day. We have the Nuggets trying to fight to get into the playoffs. Jamie Moyer is still alive. He's still throwing pitches. He's getting shelled, but he's still throwing. And we have, uh, you know, my friend and yours, Drew Pomerantz. He's going to be starting for the Rockies this weekend. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>